Photography has evolved from being a way of documenting the world to a way of communicating. I would say there's always been too many photographs in the world, but there's never too many good ones. The way you photograph something and the way you light something should be as beautiful as you can make it. Business, creative, kit and careers. Find out about the world's leading photographers and filmmakers in Shutter Stories. In today's episode, we're talking to filmmaker, travel photographer and Canon ambassador Joel Santos. Joel was born in Lisbon in 1978. He worked as an economist for several years before discovering his true passion in photography. Giving up the day job, he threw himself into a photographic career that seen him published with Nat Geo, The Guardian, Wired, as well as winning him Travel Photographer of the Year Award in 2016. So we sat down with Joel to discuss one of his most famous projects, a recurring trip to shoot the traditional cormorant fishermen on the Guangxi River in China. Thank you for taking the time to meet with us today. It's lovely to meet you. How would you describe yourself as a photographer, what you do? Uh, that's a tough question because uh, I'm passionate about many things, but I tend to focus mostly on people. So telling stories, their context, their activities, so fading traditions, uh, things that are about to change more than ever because now with um, social media, uh, you know, tourism increasing and so on. So a lot of stuff is uh, changing and I try even more than ever to, to capture those stories and go deeper and look further and try to share them, uh, uh, well, for my own, because I'm too curious, so I, I, I need to learn from people. But I also like to share those stories to um, somehow touch someone with uh, what I do with my work. So tell me a bit about your fisherman project. Uh, it starts actually. So in 1998, I did this um, travel to Asia and, and to China specifically. And I was, when I was obtaining a visa, I was in the, you know, the office and I looked at these mountains, beautiful mountains, shots in the, on the walls. And, um, and those shots, I thought, well, these Chinese guys, you know, they have this sense of uh, aesthetic. So I thought it was fake, actually, because too, it, the mountains were far too beautiful to be true. So, but in 1998, I kept that thought in my mind. And when I traveled to East Timor to teach there, one of, one of my stopovers uh, was actually near China. So I thought, why not go to China and try to chase those mountains? What I was not expecting in 2006 was to find this amazing community of fishermen um, because I landed in Wheeling and it was already buildings, no interest for me, and asked, is there anything traditional here, something I could go deeper? Uh, because I see mountains, but with buildings, I want no buildings. And while on the process of searching for something more natural, I came across these fishermen. So we did 20 kilometers by raft uh, through the Lee River to a place that now is very touristic place. Uh, but it was, I was alone, no other boats, no big boats, no thousands of, of rafts. So it became that way. So I really love uh, stories about fishermen because uh, I come from a country of fishermen and salesmen. So we are truly connected to the ocean. Me, my, myself, I was almost born inside a boat, so I was not even one, one year old when I first got inside a boat. So I feel that connection. I want, uh, I really like to tell their stories because uh, they take their sustenance out of the water. It's a very hard job, but most of the times we just eat the fish. We don't know where it came from. We just take it for granted. It takes a lot from you, from the families and from them. Uh, it's kind of, I feel that fishermen are kind of photographers. 
I fish for light, they fish for food. So they have to wait, they have to be patient, they have to go there every day not knowing what they're going to get as a result. So I feel this kind of connection with them, not only because of my youth, but because of what I do nowadays. So when you first went to find these fishermen, mm-hmm. what were you shooting on? Okay, so when, when I first shot the fishermen, it was with a 350D and a 20D. So I had improved my gear from the 300D. Um, but um, eventually I ended up shooting my most uh, memorable shots with the 350D just because I had um, the right lens on that camera, not on the 20D. I had to be careful about uh, ISO because those cameras were not still too good with low light. So I had to wait for, you know, just a little bit after sunset, um, sunrise has begun and a little bit before sunset time. But actually, I like to push exposure to the limit. So I was already really careful about exposing. And um, and actually, Canon cameras have this feature. You could see the live Instagram uh, on, on the photos. When you're reviewing the photo, you could see the Instagram. So I'm an economist as a background, so I like practical ways of measuring what I'm doing. And back then, Canon was the only brand that would have this really nice Instagram for me to analyze and make sure that although I was shooting really high ISOs for that time, I had nailed the exposure and had the maximum amount of light, thus, you know, quality in my shots. And you continue to go back? Yes, uh, I always go back. Uh, I'm not that guy that... I would love to visit all the countries in the world, but I tend to go many times to the same place. I've been 17 times in Indonesia, uh, 10 probably in China, and seven or eight in India. So I'm that guy that loves to go back again, if I can, and explore multiple layers. And of course, it's really beautiful scenery, very beautiful story. So I ended up going to this community of fishermen about uh, five to six times. Uh, So... And at the same time, I realized my role as a journalist, so to say, because I understood that reality changes really quickly. So this 600-year-old tradition, I didn't know in 2006, but was about to become eventually dead because tourism in China increased exponentially. So they became more people that post for photos than they fish because they earn more money from that than And so suddenly a community started to go away, fade away. Young people don't care about fishing because there's more well-paid jobs. And so during those uh, constant visits to these fishermen specifically, I started to witness their reality changing. And that's actually what brought me to this latest work was also to check these two brothers, what were what was their opinion about what changed in just so in 2006 and then 2018? So what has changed in those uh, just few years in their realities? So tell me about this latest trip. So this latest trip uh, was all about two things. Uh, one, compare what would I get uh, with a 350D and with a 5D Mark IV. So more than a decade worth of improvement in sensor technology and processing technology and lens technology as well. So that was one technical side of it. But the other side, the more personal side of it, if you will, would be to get in touch with these two brothers. One was 91 and still is, and that one 93. So they are the last bastion of this culture, of this tradition. When they pass away, maybe you only see like 
touristic puppets, so to say. So I wanted to meet these brothers again, which I knew from 2006, and tell their stories in a proper way. So not only those amazing shots with the, with the mountains like before, uh, I wanted to go more low light into the, into, into the night. So get this uh, different mood about their realities because they go fish in the night, not in the you know, sunset, sunrise. They go before that or after that. So I wanted to portray that reality and also go inside their homes. And their homes, of course, they are not, um, you know, they are not a studio, so low light again. So I wanted to shoot them maybe while using their fire, while smoking, while inside their homes. So it was all about that, the technical aspect, but at the same time, make kind of a wrap up to this beautiful story I started to shoot in 2006. And then suddenly it became insta-famous. And so I wanted to close up this chapter with something iconic, beautiful, uh, that has, I hope, it's at the same time a message. Um, as photographers, we have this responsibility of telling stories, but we never know what's going to happen afterwards. So it's this mixed message. I hope it goes through this work. I want to talk a bit more about the differences. So you said that you went back um, to photograph the fishermen. You wanted to see what more you could do with the technology. So, yes, uh, I liked. I like to push the limits of the cameras because uh, for me, photographing is like uh, playing a game. I'm having fun while doing it. So technology, I see technology as enabler for creativity. So the better technology gets, the more creative I can get, like anything in humanity. So microscope, great. I can be better at science. New camera, I can be better photographer. So I truly believe that. That's why I embrace new technology as soon as it's available. So. I wanted really to try what I could see, especially in low lights, and what kind of shadow recovery I would get from those files, and what kind of sharpness I would get with these new, better L lenses, because I had, you know, just standard, standard lenses in a, so entry-level lenses in 2006, so I now I was using 5D Mark IV and a, a bunch of L lenses, so what can I do with this creatively? And I found myself doing these shots that I could only imagine, you know, back home at my bed. I'm a dreamer, so I always envision what kind of thing I would like to capture in a way. So I try to live the moment before it happens. And most of the times it goes sideways, but that's good because I love surprises. And so I push it to the limits. So the, the ISOs, the exposure, how long could I take a shot handheld? Because I didn't use a single time a tripod. Most of those shots are hand, all of them are handheld. And some of them, I was actually on a raft, so navigating through the river. So um, I had to use a little bit higher shutter speeds because I need to freeze the action, uh, not only because of motion blur, but also because of camera shape, because I was you know, navigating. So I had to use wide, uh, you know, wide apertures. I had to push ISOs sometimes to 3,200, 6,400, so really high ISOs. And the result was amazing. So I really love the results. Um, you know, the amount of lens flare that I got before, because if you look at the shots, you see that they use these light lamps, these lamps. And these lamps, when they're not aligned with the, with the axis of the lens, if it's a little bit to the sides, 
most of the times they create lens flare, which will detract from the you know the composition. So, but the lens are not so good. The coatings that you don't get these lens flares, and actually you get a nice rendering of the light. So it uh, the roll off of the light is really beautiful. So. I had a lot of fun doing that, not only because I knew those guys who had this personal relationship, but because I was you know, pushing technology a little bit further and trying to create uh, different images uh, than I did previous times when I was uh, with them. Did you have to use any artificial light? Um, I never uh, use artificial light in my work. So uh, I mean, art, uh, light that I, I, um, like a flash, I don't use or, or projector. I never use that. Uh, I think a flash or artificial light detracts from the detention. When you see the photo, you understand that the photographer was there because you see like a, a light, uh, like a reflection in the eyes or on the skin. So I don't like that. I like people who look at my photos, it, they can feel they could be there themselves looking at those people. So I never used in these photos or ever artificial light. So everything is natural light, available lights, uh, either from you know sunlight um, in the twilight and inside their homes, you'll see a shot with the fire. So we only have two light sources. So outside light coming out from the door and, uh, and through the woods and of course the fire. So that's only light I use is available light always. And am I right in saying you were using the 5D for video too? Yes, uh, you know, more and more, although my passion is about photography, video is a, a crucial part now because uh, I'm shooting a lot of documentaries for TV now. So I try to bring this aesthetics already created in photography into video. But as you might know, you know, it doesn't play by the same rules. So you have to use different shutter speeds. So you cannot play with motion blur the same way. You need more, you need better ISO performance because one thing is to shoot at one-fifth of a second, another is to shoot at one-thirtieth of a second. So you lose a lot of light. So you need to have a really good uh, you know, sensor, image sensor, really amazing image processor as well, because video is much more demanding in low-light situations. So, uh, yeah, I did a lot of video with the fishermen, something I never done before with them. So I was also very excited about that because it was not only, only about the photos, the stills, but also about shooting video. It was the first time I could shoot 4K, uh, you know, even 4K, not 2.7, not full HD, but 4K with this camera and had this amazing quality uh, to, the, to the shooting. I, again, it's just, uh, if you see the images, you'll be amazed by the results, I believe. And uh, regarding autofocus, for example, it's extremely uh, better now. So. I can, in low light, it's very easy to autofocus. And because of these bright lenses, you can actually, using live view, you can easily make like pin sharp, you know, focusing on the eyes, on, on the body, or on any other subject. And Canon uses this dual pixel technology, so it's very amazing because you get this, uh, you know, smooth transition between, you know, background, foreground. So you see the, that happening also in the in footage, so it's really nice. And um, again, you can translate this kind of photographic view into emotion. So it's, it was really fantastic to use autofocus, not only the low light ability, but autofocus as part of my storytelling, you know, skill set to tell this, uh, you know, this narrative about this fisherman using autofocus, which is nice. How important do you think upscaling to video is for today's professional photographers? 
I think upskilling to video is crucial. Uh, as I've said before, I'm passionate about photography. My father was really passionate about photography and somewhere along the way, he quit photography for video. That's why I had my first camera, actually. That's why it was a disaster, uh, but I had my first camera this way. And that I don't want to make the same mistake because my passion is photography. It's completely different language from video. But video is um, its another way to tell a story. So why prevent myself from telling a complementary story to my stills? So I don't see them as competitors because it's like music and books for me. So it's just a, a visual media, of course, but it has a whole different set of rules and languages to communicate. So I embrace that uh, easily. Uh, I, I shoot more and more video. Sometimes I feel like... Um, I know a juggler because I have to first, I, I, I only shot video when the light was bad because, you know, stills are my priority. But right now, I just want to be as good in video as I am in photography. So I'm always switching back between photos and video. And that's when the camera comes in because you need the camera where it's easy to switch between those these two realities in just a second because I'm shooting photos and the next second I'm shooting a 10 second clip, then I go back to photos and I have to be, the camera has to be reliable, not hang up, just do it quickly. I have to have the same controls, the same interface, everything has to work the same way so it becomes natural. I'm not thinking about the gear, just thinking about getting the stills and the video in a most easy way, quick way I, I can. What do you say to people who want to like buy all of the kits to get started? Do you think mm -hmm. you need a, a certain level of equipment before you can start to create professional-looking images? So people that are beginning, they're sometimes too concerned about the camera. Uh, and the camera is um, a tool that allows you to capture light through aperture, exposure time at ISO. Every camera can do that. So, But of course, you have to choose the tool that fits your needs. So if you're going to Alaska, of course you need a more weatherproof camera. If you go into a dry area, it doesn't have to be as much concerned about that. So I would say, why not start entry level? Because you have to go step by step. You have to learn. First, you have to understand what kind of photos you like to do, what moves you. And that doesn't have to do with the gear, it has to do with you and the way you learn how to use that camera. So, and I would say people should try not to use uh, a lens that has all the focal distances all together in one lens. So you should try first like medium uh, standard zoom lens and work around with those 24 to 70 millimeter focal distances, understand how you have to move inside the scene that gets you know your shots, then try ultra-wide. And that's going to be a new world to you because um, subjects will become really small, have to move closer to them. So you'll get out of your comfort zone. And that's good because it sparks your creativity. And then of course, telephoto lens, it will isolate subjects. It's another world waiting for you. So I would advise people who are starting to, don't worry too much about the body, but more about the lenses because lenses are enablers for creativity because they allow to see the world differently, more than the camera does. But of course, there will come the day that you feel the need, feel the need for more more quality in your shots, more video capabilities. Nowadays, it's a thing, so I would go that way. Do you this project in particular um, is significant for you in your career? Yes, so this project uh, became famous back then 
because I believe we were never sure who is the first guy to do anything. So we just can think because you you take for granted what you see online. So, but I'm I'm for sure among the first people to shoot those photos beside the Chinese, of course, because they live there. So, and when I started showing those photos, they became iconic in a way because they are, it's a beautiful setting. It's a beautiful story. Uh, the fishermen themselves are very, you know, photogenic because of what they wear, because of their surroundings, the birds. So there's everything like a package is beautiful. So, but there was no social media, no Facebook, no Instagram back then. So there, there was, these photo communities, and yes, um, the, the work became really well spread back then. So, but afterwards, when social media came around with Facebook and Instagram, what you shoot today, tomorrow, you can have 1,000 people, 10,000 people. It has happened a lot with my volcano work as well. So, some places are shot in Indonesia in 2005 alone, like Mount Bromo, like uh, Kaui Jen. Today, I just came from Indonesia too. So I, I saw thousands of people around me. So I think my mission is twofold. Um, as a storyteller, you want to tell a story. So it's like writing a book. A book is not supposed to be, you know, stay at home inside uh, the desk. So photo is meant to be shared because it's knowledge. It's, uh, it's something you can touch people with. But at the same time, I think uh, the second purpose is you should tell people that um, there's an impact to it. And so you should be responsible uh, about what you share, about what you do, because um, we never know when you share a photo what will, it will trigger in other people. And they must go there. If they visit, for example, these fishermen, try to respect them. So don't see them as... a Insta photos, don't see them as objects, see them as human beings that must be respected the way you like to be respected. I think my purpose is this mission I was talking about is twofold, is sharing, but at the same time, um, bring awareness about this responsibility we have towards people and while using image to tell stories. It's interesting, especially because so many people well, so many people are becoming famous for their photography through social media. Mm -hmm. And so many people go traveling mm -hmm. to capture those pictures. The objective is not to tell the stories. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, we all need social media. I need social media because it's a way to show your work. Uh, it's a way to communicate. So it's, it's here. It's, um, you cannot escape it. But yes, people, they are not traveling to experience travel they're not traveling to learn they're traveling to make a photo that will grant them some likes some exposure some kind of anonymous recognition and uh I, i'm not the judge of what's good or bad so i just can speak for myself but i believe that you should travel to learn because it's a learning experience you can become a better person while traveling you can you know, kill some prejudice you have towards some cultures, towards some beliefs, towards everything. So you can teach your kids with it and with traveling. So um, my advice would be to, yes, travel, take photos, but learn in the meanwhile. Don't think because, you know, today's social media is like this. Tomorrow it can change and then you'll be just an empty person with photos. And it's better to have photos with a story behind it. You made someone happy. You show them respect. And um, sometimes 
whenever I can actually bring a small printer like uh, the Zoe Mini nowadays. So I, I just bring a printer because I feel I'm taking something out of them and I need to give back, not money, but something. And, you know, a picture is uh, worth so much to people. And we forgot about that because we just see it as a, a flicking thing, but it can be physical. You can touch it, you can cherish uh, the photo, you can show it to your family, you can put it as the strongest memory of your time here on Earth. So I think that's very powerful. That's why I try to print as much as possible and give back uh, to people the photos I take. Not just take photos, just give something back. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been really interesting. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Shutter Stories, you can rate and subscribe in the episode's listing. To find more stories and to find us on social, you can click on the links in the episode's description.